0: This is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN+. Plus. Yes. yes, indeed. Happy Friday, 10 o'clock at NYC. Dan Grasso in for Greeny. 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We got Ray Dinahan. We got Anthony Pusick. We got RJ Santillo, who is wearing a staff T-shirt in the control room right now. He just got it. He found it. He grabbed it. It's his personal property possession. That's why I love RJ. We're hanging out with you for the next couple of hours until Barton Han at high noon, right here on a jam-packed, busy Friday. Now it feels like October has started. Is it not? October is officially here, even though it's the seventh day. You know, we've been at this thing for a week, but now it feels like October's here. A little bit of a chill in the air. You know, we got two football teams in this city. And let me be careful how I preface this. Two football teams in this city with non-losing records in the Jets and the Giants. Giants can't hear this right now because they're across the pond, of course, in jolly old England, getting ready for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. And it'll be a... Mishmash cast of characters for the Giants again, at least at wide receiver because of injuries, which seems like they cannot kick that problem all year long. And the Jets are going to play an extremely important game on Sunday at MetLife Stadium against one of their rivals, the Miami Dolphins, hoping to move over the 500 mark and to get to 3-2. and two. We'll get to all that stuff a little bit later on. But it's time for October baseball, is it not? And we want you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 800-919-ESPN. That's 800-919-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. And we'll get to the Yankees a little bit later on. But look, if you're a Yankee fan, you got this, right? You earn this. And what I mean by that is you go put your feet up for a few days you got nothing to do. You're not to be heard from really until Tuesday. Nothing should concern you. Or at the very least, how about Monday? Because by then you're going to find out who your opponent's going to be. Whether it's the Cleveland Guardians, whether it's the Tampa Bay Rays. And those are going to be the first two teams to kick off our quadruple header of baseball on this Friday just afternoon. And remember, all the baseball games are on the ESPN family of networks. All throughout today, tomorrow, and possibly even Sunday. But, of course, the one that everybody is preoccupied with here are the Metropolitans. Tonight at City Field. And a new season has arrived. Make no mistake about it. A new season is here. And I'll repeat what I said last night on our little radio program. Nothing that this team has done for the last six months is relevant any longer. Nothing. Not a single thing. 101 wins? Meaningless. Like, it didn't even happen. Need not apply. And by the way, you knew, right? You you, you, you just had to know deep down as a Met fan. If you are a long-suffering Met fan who has been with this team for decades and have known more heartbreak than exhilaration, didn't you just know that after the weekend in Atlanta took place and the division was basically gone, didn't you just have a feeling deep down that you were going to end up tied for first place with the Atlanta Braves. Did did, did you just know that was what was going to happen? And it did. Mets won 101. Braves won 101. And of course, this is the first year with a brand new tiebreaker. So instead of there being a one-game playoff for the National League East title yesterday, Braves win it. Which, by the way, I have no problem with. None. You play 19 times. That, to me, is way, way sufficient of a breaker. To determine who should get the spot over the other team. You play 19. If one gets the better than the other, they deserve it. And congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. But that's meaningless now. Jeff McNeil's batting title. Meaningless. Meaningless. Pete Alonzo. All the RBIs. All the home runs this year. Meaningless. Never happened. None of it. Edwin Diaz. All the saves. Didn't happen. Unfortunately, I like to say Timmy Trumpet, too, but that did, and you know how I feel about Timmy. The root of a wild card game was planted thanks to Timmy Trumpet. That's when the season went south. Oh, come on. Stop. 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 I mean, it's bad enough. Like I said earlier in the week, when I was really hot after they choked away that series in Atlanta... You know, if the Mets don't make it out alive, they better not be putting up a wild card banner next year on opening day at City Field, and they can have Timmy trumpet there playing his little trumpet while they bring the curtain down on the wild card banner, right? Celebrating trivial things like that, and Timmy could be up there like, "All right, let's go Mets, baby! Yeah, let me play me trumpet. Go Mets, go!" Yeah, no, that's Taps. You might as well. Yeah, they're right. If they lose to the Padres, make sure Timmy's here. He can play Taps either on Saturday or Sunday. And you could pay your respects to the Mets season. And you could talk about all the 101 wins and bask in that. Meantime, Elton John, big Braves fan. He's going to be at Truist Park next year in, in uh, April when they raise the banner for a second straight championship. That's where Elton's going to be. We get Timmy Trumpet. Mets lose the division. Oh, well. Didn't matter. Doesn't matter now. really doesn't. It really doesn't. Now you got the San Diego Padres here. Go in a series. Go in a series. You know, last night on Twitter, I put out a poll during our show. And you can get me at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. Put out a poll. If the Mets lose to the San Diego Padres, can you still consider this a successful season? An overwhelming, overwhelming response. of you said no and I agree right with you I'm in the 80% I don't know how you could be a Mets fan and you could tell me otherwise at 800-919-3776 I don't know how you could tell me otherwise that this is a successful season if the Mets lose either tomorrow or Sunday to this Padres team a Padres team by the way which knows nothing about winning nothing not a thing This is only the first time since 2006. That's 16 years. Some of you weren't even born. The last time the San Diego Padres made the playoffs in a full 162-game season. We're not counting the 2020 Fugazi year. Okay? This team doesn't know how to win. You've got guys on the team that have won, but collectively, this is organization. This was a playoffs or bust year for the Padres because the general manager basically sold out and gave up half the damn farm system to bring in Josh Hader, to bring in Juan Soto, Josh Belt, the deadline. And if they didn't make the playoffs this year, you know what? Heads were going to roll. The owner actually gave him a checkbook, went out there, and they spent a bunch of money. And you can make a certain extent that the Padres maybe even underachieved this year. They should have been better than a team that won 89. I mean, Padres didn't even win 90 games. Mets, on the other hand, that's a different story. They got to win this series. They are the better baseball team. You play six months, you win 101 games, you are supposed to win this series and beat a team that is coming cross-country and, as I said, does not have a lot of postseason experience. You're going to be playing in cold weather, which is against the elements that you are suited for with your baseball team, win the series. And I'm curious, by the way, to see how this is going to work out. The new format, will it work? Will it won't? Who is it going to favor? You know, like the Yankees have the layoff. Teams like that, are they going to be given a little bit of a boost? Or is it going to be better if you're one of these teams playing this weekend? now you just want to get right back out there and keep the momentum going. I'm not going to go too crazy and say that it's a World Series or bust for this Mets team. I don't believe that. And you might think that that's crazy because you're paying Max Scherzer $43 million a year. Spent a lot of money on this team. I just say you can't lose in the first round. Because realistically, let's say, all right, you get by the Padres. Then you go out to L.A. And you got a 111-win Dodger team waiting for you. And I think the Dodgers are beatable. Right now, I'm doing power rankings. I don't even think the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. I don't think they're the team to beat. I think the Braves are still. I'm not in love with that Dodgers starting pitching. But if you go out to L.A. and you lose a tough five-game series to the Dodgers, and your season ends, are you really going to say, oh, boy, that was a waste of a season? No, you can't. You might have lost to a better team. But you cannot lose to the Padres. Padres aren't a better team than the Mets. They're not. They are supposed to win this series. I don't care that you Darvish was good against the Mets. I, I don't care. You Darvish can be had. Just go up there and be patient. Because you know what Hugh Darvish is? He's a nibbler. He nibbles. He wants you to chase out of the strike zone. That's what he wants. Don't fall into his trap. Sound like a hitting coach. Blake Snell's going to go out there tomorrow. Blake Snell's going to give you five innings. That's the M.O. for Blake Snell. If he throws one pitch in the sixth inning, he turns into a, a pumpkin, supposedly. That's why none of these guys want him out there past five innings, even in the World Series, ask his former manager. And then if you got to go three, Joe Musgrove is there. Mets hit Joe Musgrove. Josh Hader's rounding back into form at the back end of that bullpen. Okay, fine. Hopefully he's not in a save situation. Juan Soto's been better, but Mets know all about Juan Soto. They doubled them all those years in Washington. Manny Machado? Okay, Manny Machado's a good hitter. Other than that, that's it. That's all the Padres have. Bob Melvin managed how many Oakland A's teams to the playoffs? They never got past the first round. Never. Ever. You want to say he's due? All right. Doesn't change the reality. Mets are the better team than San Diego Padres. And they should take care of business. But I want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. Can this be termed a successful season if the Mets bow out in the first round? Remember, you can get me uh, on Twitter at Dan Grossa, G R A C A. Talking Mets, Mets and Padres tonight. Wild card round at City Field. A little after 8 o'clock. Going to be first. I think they say first pitch 807, somewhere around there. So second pitch probably 808, and then they're on. If you're keeping track, if you're keeping score at home. Some people like that stuff when they score the game because in the press box, you know, they have the guy come over the PA and he says, first pitch, 8.07. Then they give you the game time temperature. Like if you're looking back one day, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to be like, oh boy, October 2022. boy, Boy, it was chilly that night. It was only 51 degrees, like anybody cares. Anyway, what you care about is the Mets winning this series and taking care of business. Preferably, you win today, you win tomorrow. And then he could get a couple of days off before you begin the next series against the Dodgers. And he could get on a plane and he could go out to L.A. and give yourself as much time as possible, get acclimated to the time change and all those things. And it's going to start with one Max Scherzer, right? He is the guy that all your hopes, all your dreams are going to be resting on his right arm and that right shoulder. And it's a big one. Because Max Scherzer the other night, against the Atlanta Braves, he wasn't dreadful, but he wasn't great. It wasn't good enough for a victory. You'd probably expect more, especially from a guy that's making $43 million a year, and he didn't make any excuses. But he's somebody who's still kind of maybe feeling that oblique a little bit. And I thought it was pretty telling watching that game. John Smoltz on Fox, and John Smoltz knows pitching, right? Guy's a Hall of Famer, did it for a living. John Smoltz was watching Max Scherzer, and he said, you know what? Max Scherzer's not finishing his pitches like he's normally accustomed to doing because you could see that he might be favoring that oblique a little bit. And Max may not come out and say, oh, yeah, it's still there. He didn't want to give up that information. But, I mean, the guy's been on the injury list this year not once but twice because of that ailment. So you would have to think, especially at this stage of his career, with something that's been hampering him on multiple occasions, it's only human nature to still probably be feeling that a little bit. Although Max tried to quiet those concerns yesterday when he met the media at City Field.
1: I was talking to Ken just the just the kind of evolution of the of this whole injury. I hadn't seen Ken for a while, um, and just was discussing the nature of the injury, how how it came about, you know, the different things that I was going through, um, and you know, coming out of this, you know, a second time, you know. But going into the start, you know, I'm good. I, I made it back up to 100 pitches. I'm throwing uh, everything I need to do, so you know, I'm not limited by this oblique at all.
0: Max Scherzer is made for games like this. This is why you went out there and got him. Right, it's no secret, and I think that the the phrase that I would use to describe Max Scherzer tonight and him getting the ball and what you hope to see from him, you're a Met fan, you're probably thinking cautious optimism. You know, you think everything should go okay, you hope everything is going to be okay, but you won't really know for sure until it happens. Because if everything was going to be okay, he would have delivered you a victory over the weekend in Atlanta, which didn't happen. And then this mystery with Jacob DeGrom, right? Like, somebody needs to explain what the heck is going on. I had Anthony DeComo on my show last night, who, of course, is the outstanding Met beat writer for MLB.com. And I asked Anthony the question. I said, you know, we know about this blister. And that limited him to a certain degree in that game against the Braves last Friday. Maybe he didn't allow him to execute to maybe... We're used to seeing Jake. But is there anything else? Right? I mean, don't you kind of get like a little sneaky suspicion? And you almost have to. Because this guy's missed as much time as he has over the last couple of years. Like, don't you think that there might be something below the surface? Even below the damn blister? To where maybe he's just a little bit off. Because guys, you know, we could talk about just what happened in Atlanta. But the numbers don't lie. Last five starts for DeGrom... The guy's pitching to a four and a half ERA. The guy's given up more runs in those last five starts than he probably gave up all of last year in the first three months when he was pitching to like a what a one six ERA. He went out to Oakland and let a little league team tee off on him and gave up ten runs or whatever it was. And now he doesn't get the ball in game one, and you could tell me all you want that, oh, well, you know, he's their secret weapon. He truly is their best pitcher, and they're saving him for an elimination situation if they're ever faced with it. Well, okay, but then what happens if he doesn't get the ball tomorrow? Let's say the Mets lose tonight, and what happens if Buck taps Chris Bassett on the shoulder and says, all right, Chris, you're the guy who's going to save our season? Then you mean there's no cause for concern? Or are they playing it really cool and thinking, well, we're still going to win this series even though we're down a game and we'll have Bassett win game two and then we got Jake sitting there for game three. Okay, great. That happens. But then you're restricted on how many times DeGrom could pitch in the next series against the Dodgers. Because the way the Mets are lining it up, in a perfect world, what they would love to happen is that Max goes tonight, wins he a game. Tomorrow, you do have a little bit of wiggle room Because you're up in the series, you pitch Bassett in game number two. Then you've got DeGrom fresh, and he could pitch game one against the Dodgers. And if need be, it goes the distance five games, you have DeGrom in game five as well. Now that's really optimistic, and you know what? It's dangerous too, because can you really afford to sit there and map it out that way when you need to win games? You know, you don't have the luxury of playing a best out of seven here to where you could say, oh, well, you know, we have this game, this game. You know, we could we could tweak things a little bit if need be. No, it's a three game series. That's all you got. And your season could be over tomorrow, potentially. So if the Mets lose tonight and you hope that they don't, of course, but if they lose tonight. How can he not pitch the Grom tomorrow? Your season's on the line. And that's why I bring up the fact that if that happens and you don't see him on Saturday, there's got to be more than just the blister. There's got to be more than that just inhibiting this guy. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. All right, let's talk some Mets. Let's take some phone calls. Robert in Manhattan. He is going to be our leadoff hitter on this Friday, 98.7 ESPN. Robert, how are you? Good morning, Dan. Well, you're very passionate. I agree with you 118%. If
2: they can't beat San Diego, by the way, I have I cannot lie to you. I respect you too much. I've been a lifelong Dodger fan since 1951. But you know,
0: 70 years since I was eight years old. You are loyal, Robert. You are a a, a postal Dodger fan. Well, let me tell you. In the good old days, ten fifty
2: was W H N or G N or something, and I heard uh, Vince Scully and uh, Red Barber and uh, uh, all the, all those good Dodgers. Anyway, if the and in fact, I'll go you one better than that. If they can't beat the Dodgers, their season is a failure. So, what do you think of that?
0: If the Mets don't beat the Dodgers, their season is a failure. You tell me. No, I, I disagree 100%. If they, if the Mets don't beat the Padres, their season is a failure. Oh, no, no. I agree with you on that. But you don't think if they can't beat no. the Dodgers? Robert, they won 111 games, the Dodgers. On paper, at least according to the records, they're the best team in baseball. I personally don't think so, but you lose to an 111-win team, right? There's no shame in that. Because everybody in their mother right now is probably just riding with the Dodgers thinking, oh, yeah, it's their World Series to lose. I disagree, But there's no shame in that. None whatsoever. But if you lose to the Padres, that's bad. That would be really bad. You know, we put the poll out there last night. Most people agree that you have to get by. I mean, think about 101 wins. And if you bow out and lose two games to San Diego, you're finished. You know, and I'm getting a lot of of tweets from people. A lot of comments. And I understand that like not everybody is, is familiar with all these teams around baseball. Like most fans in New York are not up late at night watching Padre games all summer. I get it. But if you're just basing on what happened in the six games or whatever, that these two teams played each other during the regular season, you you're you're missing the boat. You're up a creek without a paddle. You know, it's like the plane is left eight minutes early. You're missing the crux of it here. Regular season means nothing once the playoffs roll around. Let's take the Mets, for example. What happened in 2015? 2015, the Mets got swept by the Cubs in the regular season. Seven zip. Seven zippo. And what happened when they played for the National League Championship? Mets swept them. Do I have to go all the way back to 1988? When that Mets team won 100 games that year beat the Dodgers in the regular season like 11 out of 12 times. They own the Dodgers. And then they played for the National League Championship Series, and what happened? Oral Hershiser and company won in seven games, and they went on to win the World Series. That means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. The Mets should beat the San Diego Padres. 100%. And I don't think that the season is a failure if they then go in the next round and they lose to the Dodgers. No shame in that. But, I mean, look, look, can you imagine, though, for a second, if we're sitting here on Monday and the Mets season is over? Like, most Mets fans probably have not gotten the Braves series out of their system yet. Like, they haven't even fully digested that. And if they somehow, some way, have another bad weekend against the San Diego Padres and you're done, I, I, I mean... I, I can't even comprehend that. I really can't. Like you, you, you knew going into Atlanta that things may not work out the way you want them to. Because the Braves are a good team. I, th- I think the best team. The team to beat, still. For a variety of reasons. They know how to win. They've got talent. And that kind of plays a big role this time of year. Give me that team that has the playoff experience. Give me that team that has a knack for coming up with the clutch hits, the clutch plays. That's what you want to see. I'll tell you what the Mets could use, though. But it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Is Starling Marte. Because that, to me, would be the one concern I would have going into the playoffs. Still about this offense. We saw it last weekend with the Braves. You know, who's going to be there to deliver that clutch hit for you? Lindor was nowhere to be found in the Brave series. Right? I mean, Jeff McNeil was up there getting hits, but, you know, Nimmo was kind of MIA. Marte has become the linchpin of that lineup. And who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? You know, when they signed Starling Marte, he said, oh, he's a nice player. You know, made the all-star team before, you know, but he's well-traveled in his career. Maybe a glorified journeyman. No, Starling Marte is a really, really good player. Really, really good. Here was the manager yesterday asking about Marte's availability for this series.
2: we will take everything into play. You know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You know, he brings, he's one of the reasons why he was in demand because he's a multi-skilled guy that can, you know, help in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, obviously at 10 o'clock tomorrow, we'll, we'll have it out there.
0: And by the way, that's a good point. He mentioned 10 o'clock. I didn't even think about it. Roster was due a half an hour ago. And I still haven't seen anything quite yet. As far as the Mets are concerned with their postseason roster. Who's on it, who's not on it. But I would be shocked if Starling Marte is indeed on this postseason roster. And remember, the good thing is is that you reset the roster for each round. So whoever's there, you know, the 25 or 26 guys for the three games against San Diego, doesn't mean it's going to be the same set if they move on to play the Dodgers. Best you could probably hope for with Starling Marte is... He could play in the next round, but you got to get there first. You got to get there. You know, Francisco Alvarez is a guy who's probably going to be on the roster. I don't think that he's someone that would be catching games. That is a lot to put on his plate. You know, he caught a couple of games against the Nationals here this week, meaningless games. You're not going to put him, you know, in the MLB postseason with a few games under his belt and have him put the gear on and go behind the plate to catch Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom potentially in winner take all situations. That's not fair to the kid. It's not. And remember, Francisco Alvarez is only up here because of the ineffectiveness of a guy like Darren Ruff, who they brought on at the trade deadline, swapping out a right-hand hitter in J.D. Davis and bringing in another right-hand hitter in Darren Ruff and had that work out. Darren Ruff couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag, and J.D. Davis actually swung the bat pretty well in the second half for the San Francisco Giants. Not to say he would have did the same thing if he was still a Met But the trade didn't make any sense. And really, if you want to take a step back and examine the bigger picture as to why we're sitting here and why we're talking about the Mets playing a game tonight as opposed to maybe having a couple of days off as division champions, it's because the moves that they made at the trade deadline, you could get on them for saying that they weren't aggressive enough. You could say that the guys that they brought in just didn't really produce to the extent that they hoped they would. But it's still the reality Vogelbach, Tyler Naquin, Darren Ruff, Michael Givens, whoever it was that they acquired, none of these guys consistently were able to answer the call for the New York Mets. Couldn't. And that's why they find themselves in this situation. So who's going to step up now? And Alvarez... Is he a guy that really you're going to tap on the shoulder? You know, in a big. I, I can't see him. Well, Blake Snell's going to be starting tomorrow for the Padres in all likelihood. That's a lefty. So you're going to want to get a right handed stick in there tomorrow. Would Buck really write Francisco Alvarez's name in the lineup tomorrow night? Let's say the Mets lose tonight. Your season's on the line. You're putting Alvarez in there? He's a baby. You know, he's been up here for five minutes. He was clearly overwhelmed in that series against the Braves last week. And remember, the bat was flying out of his hands, literally, literally. That's a lot to put on his shoulders. But it goes back to what this team did not do with the trade deadline. And that's a problem. Now, earlier this week, Aaron Judge, he was in the zone, hitting his 60-second home run of the season. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Sound like a product pitch man all of a sudden. 800 That is the telephone number. Buck was also asked, by the way, the fact that they're right back out there and don't have the luxury of maybe resting as much as you would want. How is that going to determine how you set forward your starting rotation for this series? Right now, it's about
2: tomorrow night's game. We say, okay, where are we? we know that when we go into the game tomorrow, everybody's going to be available. For the most part, we might have one that's not, you know, in different degrees of availability. So what you do is after each game, you step back and you look at it and you understand this is not playing for the long the long game here. You're playing the short game. It's a whole different time of the year. So I think understanding the sense of uh, urgency that each night brings is important.
0: Pete Alonso, meantime. Talking about how this team has always been able to answer the call, and the resiliency that they've shown and has been a part of their DNA all season long is going to be counted upon once again.
1: To be honest with you, people look at the uh, look at the Atlanta series, uh, and they think that's the that was the determining factor, but. We, we got swept by the Cubs like three weeks prior. So um, if we didn't get swept, if we had one more game, or if you look at, um, I don't know, the 60-some other games where it was close, uh, tough-fought games, but we didn't come through. I mean, there was other opportunities throughout the year um, to win the division, even though people look at the Atlanta series as that one final thing. But real- realistically, regardless of the outcome of the regular season, we should be really damn proud of what we accomplished. We won 101 games. I think that's the second best record uh, in New York Mets regular season history. So that's something really damn to be proud of. And we're a resilient team. Uh, We have talent. We play the game the right way. And I feel like that with the people that we have, uh, we have the ability to be the last team standing.
0: That didn't come across like entirely great from pete i know what he was trying to say but like at the beginning there when he goes well everybody makes it about the atlanta series but we got swept by the cubs too i mean you know pete you don't brag about that you know hey we got swept by the cubs and they stink (laughs) no you you want to make people forget that you know you forget that by the way go beat the padres go beat the padres and get to the second round which is the same place you would have been if you held on to first place in the national league east 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll continue talking Mets when we come back. And also, just a quick update as to how the Yankees might shape up. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. As far as the Yankees are concerned, you know, they got a couple of days to just hmm, do their own thing. Chill out. You know, maybe go to a museum. You know, little R&R, whatever you got to do until you're back out there on Tuesday night. They're going to take on either Cleveland or Tampa Bay. But Aaron Boone had his weekly appearance on the Michael K show yesterday. And he was asked by the gentleman, because everybody wants to know, right? Inquiring minds want to know who's going to be the game one starter on Tuesday.
2: I would actually like to settle on it here over the next 24 hours and get it lined up. I mean, there's some thought of maybe waiting to see who our opponent is, but I would like to get these guys kind of knowing where they're doing. They can set up their sides and when we want to have them throw live, for example, this weekend. The good thing is, I feel like with Garrett, Tevey, and Nestor, I feel really good about where those guys are at and how we can match up from a starting standpoint against really any team right now. So, it's a little bit of a decision right now, but most I'd look at it as that's a good decision to have.
0: Well, the guys didn't take that as an answer and good for them because they pressed him on it and the fact that, remember, a little while ago, Boone said that Cole was the guy. Cole in a perfect world would be the number one starter in a playoff series. So the guys hit back and this is what the manager's retort was.
2: Well, I mean, I I think when I said it on there, it was kind of like, you know, is he your yeah yeah but you know you guys always that's why you get vague answers sometimes because you want to pin us down two weeks ahead of time a month ahead of time I mean the the reality is is we got a ton of great choices now and I feel like you know where Sevi is where Garrett is where Nestor is like I I feel good walking into a series like, like I said earlier about anyone um You know, I I think I know which way I want to go, but I I, want to at least, you know, kind of, you know, sleep on it a little bit, talk to different people.
0: Here's how I read that. Garrett Cole has the best resume out of the three guys. He may not have had the best season, even though he struck out a lot of guys. But we're also going to have meetings over the next couple of days. To sit there and really go back and forth and debate if it would create a stir if we decide not to pitch the guy who we're paying $324 million in game one of a playoff series and what the fallout from that would be. That's how I interpreted that. Because, look, when push comes to shove, if you're just basing it on based on 2022 and every guy that picked up a baseball for the Yankees this year, which guy deserves to start? It's Nestor Cortez, is it not? Nestor's the guy who's had the best season. But Nestor Cortez is the guy who's also never thrown a pitch in the postseason before. We don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's a different beast. It's a different animal when October rolls around. And Cole, on the other hand, yeah, he struck out a lot of guys this year. But Gary Cole also gave up a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. Like, more than double the amount of home runs that Ron Guidry gave up back in his magical season in 1978. And to me, it's almost counterproductive. Like you could go out there and strike out, you know, fifteen guys, but if you give up like three solo home runs, and your team's bat is, you know, the bats are quiet, you're not going to win. And why do you want to be put in a hole like that? And Severino, I, I I can't see them going Severino because Severino, despite the fact that he had the seven no hit innings the other day, he's still working his way back. He still does not have a huge body of work this season. And not to say that they're going to bring him along slowly, but even if he could buy him an extra couple of days, then they would probably do that. But he's important. So if you can go into this derby with three arms that you can legitimately count on and rely upon, then I think that mission accomplished for the Yankees. I really and truly do. I don't even know what to do. It seems so weird right now because we've gone... I think three consecutive days, at least two, not bringing up Aaron Judge's name and the home run record and the home run chase. I mean, mean, Yankee fans probably just don't know what to do with themselves because they've just been talking about Aaron Judge nonstop for the last, what, two months? Every single, every waking moment, every single hour. I don't know if we had to break in this morning when Aaron Judge went out to go get breakfast. That's a good point. Anthony just said, too bad we couldn't break in on that Thursday night football game last night, which was an atrocity. Reruns, even. You mean like Thursday night football reruns? No, no, just, hey, here's Aaron Judge's at-bat from last Friday. just, even though it's a different sport, just throw it in there. And and, and and, and a non-home run. It just could be anything. You could watch Aaron Judge pop out to right field, and it would be more exciting than the Broncos and the Colts last night. More hang time. An Aaron Judge fly ball or the punts from last night? That's what you got to know. I thought I had a good tweet last night. I put out, I said, you know. Usually do. I said, does the Amazon Prime return policy apply to this football game as well? Oh, it had. <laughs> it should. That was, I mean, that was so bad. I think the Broncos are looking into the contract. Oh. I think the Broncos are looking into the contract, seeing if that has a return policy. You're talking about the Russell Wilson Mr. Contract. Unlimited. Oh, my gosh. Let's ride. When's that starting? By the way, the reason to bring that up, seriously, forget about the the game itself is a disaster. That game was so bad that the fans in Denver were leaving. I mean, like heading for the exits. Normally like fans do when you know the game is over and your team isn't going to win. Maybe you're down by like 14 points with 30 seconds left. They just like head for the exits. They were doing that last night. Five seconds left in regulation in a 9-9 game. When you knew that there was going to be overtime and the outcome was still to be determined, they were out of there. And you can't even say, like, oh, well, you know, maybe they have to get up early and go to work or go to school the next day. No, it, mountain time zone. It was like two hours earlier than even the East Coast. So that does not apply as an excuse. That doesn't work. But it was so bad. And I'll tell you, if you're a Jet fan, and this to me is why... Anybody that looks at schedules before the season starts and does that ridiculous and stupid like win-loss game and tries to project how a team is going to be, I give you case in point the Denver Broncos. Because everybody in America, whenever they looked ahead to the Jets and talked about this murderer's row of schedules in this stretch in the month of October that, oh, they're going to lose every single game, they've got no chance, they can't beat any of these teams, how daunting now does that trip to Denver seem in two weeks? Where you're playing a quarterback who looks about as lost as any quarterback in the NFL right now. You've got a head coach in Nathan Hackett who, by the way, Nathan Hackett is stirring up comparisons to a coach who, case in point, maybe largely got a head coaching opportunity because of a relationship with a former legendary quarterback I can't quite remember the name and I can't quite remember the job but it'll come to me but Nathan Hackett who had a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay Aaron Rodgers talked him up pretty good and the Broncos hired Nathan Hackett and Nathan Hackett looks lost as a head coach and by the way here's where Denver got lost and this is where they got beat you can't tell me that the Broncos did not hire Nathan Hackett thinking. Same thing. Nathan, Nathaniel, you know, Dan, Daniel. It's the same damn does thing. He, does he
2: get Nathaniel? It's the
0: same thing. Does he get Nathaniel if he starts If he starts to look a little more put together on the sidelines? What does he have sewn in his boxer shorts, Nathan or Nathaniel? Because then that's the, the tell-all. That's all we need to know. Anyway, but you can't tell me that the Broncos did not hire Coach Hackett thinking that Aaron Rodgers would then follow. Because remember, Denver was one of those rumored teams when it seemed like Rodgers was going to leave the Green Bay Packers. Point being, you're the Jets in two weeks from now. Going out to Denver to play that disaster, that's a winnable game. That is an extremely winnable game. Their offense is lost. The coaching staff is lost. And hey, Jets got this road thing figured out pretty good anyways they can't be beat on the road especially when they're down by like two scores in the fourth quarter that's exactly where they want to be hopefully that's not the same case on Sunday though as far as digging yourself hole can't do that speaking of Sunday And speaking of the Jets, join ESPN New York at the Ultimate Jets Tailgate, located in Lot G, before the Jets take on Miami, with all your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts. We'll have tailgate games, prize giveaways, and live music from Randy Zoo. The Ultimate ESPN New York Jets Tailgate is brought to you by Guinness, Pepsi, and 98.7 ESPN. Gonna be a fun scene on Sunday. Huge crowd expected. Yes, I am going to swing by the tailgate. People have asked. I will be there. Probably early, so you got to get there early, because we have, of course, obligations inside. Got to get inside, got to get ready for the broadcast, which starts at 11 o'clock with Greg Buttle and myself. Huge pregame show. Huge. Anthony, how huge? Oh, it's going to be big. Huge. going to be big. Corey Davis on the pregame show. Quinn and Williams on the pregame show. It's alumni Day, right? Alumni Day. Oh! You talk about big-time former Jets on the pregame show. This is unbelievable. Hint, hint.